Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Mark Chasen, VP and CIO at St. Luke's Health System. In this segment, Chasen talks about why taking a one-year hiatus from rolling out Epic was the best move he could have made, why being able to communicate and manage messaging is a critical competency for CIOs, and the federated approach his team is taking with data warehousing. Hi, Mark. Thanks again for uh, taking some time to speak with us today. Thank you. We spoke about three years ago, and I went through some of the basics about uh, the organization, but if you could just give a really high-level look at uh, St. Luke's health system, where you're located, uh, number of hospitals, things like that. Sure. Thank you. Um, so St. Luke's health system is located in Boise, Idaho, at least their base offices, the corporate offices. Um, we are the largest health system in the state. We have eight facilities, acute care hospitals, and over 450 employed physicians that span the lower southwestern part of the state. Okay. Okay, and the last time we spoke about three years ago, you were in the thick of uh, implementing EPIC, so I guess a good place to start would be what the status is now, um, is it uh, implemented in the hospitals now, all the hospitals? Sure. As of October 1st we of 2016, we are completely installed through our inpatient and our ambulatory environment, okay. uh, entire EPIC suite. Additionally, 60 days post-install, we have achieved him Stage 6 uh, designation on both our inpatient and our ambulatory environments. Okay. So, as we had talked about, uh, the hospitals were on on different systems. Um, so uh, it was it was really quite a uh, quite a big initiative. And now, especially since achieving stage six, are you in optimization mode at this point? Well, we are still in stabilization. Uh, we have identified some key workflows that have to be re-looked at, some areas of our facility that need some really focused detail that our, that our team are focusing on. Namely, we are looking at the NICU area and really optimizing and standard, stabilizing in that area and as well as our interventional radiology areas. For the most part, though, EPIC has been a, a huge success. Our patients are being treated very well. Information is flowing throughout the continuum of care, and we feel that this partnership and this installation, while a heavy lift, has been uh, hugely successful for our, for our organization, not only for deployment of the technology, but we really are starting to function as a health system and realize that we are more similar than different, and standardization ultimately will drive towards the improvement of care and reduction of cost. Right, the ultimate goals, definitely. And obviously there's no secret sauce, but what do you think have been some of the keys to, to doing that, to um, really establishing that integration across the system and, and functioning as one health system when you have these very different facilities? Sure, that's a very, very good question. I don't know if I have a specific answer. I, I can tell you from our experience, this journey was a six-year journey, and I think we matured as an organization throughout those six years. Three years ago when we had spoken, we ended up taking a, a year hiatus from uh, install. Um, I felt that the organization had hit their threshold for uh, the amount of change that we were putting upon it. We took a year off and re-looked at our governance, re-looked at why we're doing what we do and, and the mission and vision of our organization and that we need to serve 
our patients. We, we looked at that and we came around the table and said, this is what we need to do. We need to complete this, this project in order to really treat our patients the most appropriately, that, that the best we can. And in redoing that governance, we brought disparate hospitals and, and clinics together and worked really hard to show that we all have the same vision and all have the same goal of, of treating the patients of our community as best as we can. And I think that pause and the maturation of our organization drove us towards a more standardized collaborative approach throughout our system. Okay, really interesting. And when you did take that pause, were there hospitals that were at different stages? Or I, I imagine that the timing was probably something that had to have been worked out. Yeah, the timing had to be worked out. Fortunately, we had just finished our ambulatory uh, installation, so the majority of our physicians were on EPIC just in the ambulatory. What we had to contend with, though, is that we essentially put those providers on an island. They were communicating very effectively as long as the patient was in the ambulatory setting and seeing specialists and primary care doctors. As soon as they had to cross the threshold into the hospital, we still had the same problem of a break in the care, the inpatient facilities searching for information. Um, but we only had to deal with that for two years, and then as of 10-1 of 2016, now we're, we're live on the, all, the entire system. So while it was difficult for those two years, I, I think it was well worth it while we got our governance set up, we started to come together as, as a health system and, and understand our shared mission for the patients of our region. Right. And when you do have a strategy like that to, to have a hiatus, I, I can imagine one difficulty might be that on the leadership side, you want to just get this done. Well, although maybe it's never really done, but you, know, you, you want to get to get to that point of uh, implementation. So I, I'm sure that it, it wasn't the easiest thing to do, but I guess the pros outweighed the cons. Yeah, we had to message this appropriately. Uh, we do always, in any project of this magnitude, you do have your detractors. Many of the detractors did not feel that we were ever going to go live. We would ever make this conversion. Um, the people that were the individuals, both providers and administrators who were really engaged felt that let's do it right as opposed to do it, do it quickly. So we had to manage the message very well. And what, what I am finding in, in these, this past two years is that communication is key and, and imperative and is a competency that CIOs don't focus on, and I've learned that this is one of the things that I have to focus on because if I could communicate this effectively and succinctly, people will buy in, people will come along on, on the journey. It's where there's gaps in communication and gaps in understanding when the negative starts to fill that void. Okay. And in terms of uh, the, the data warehouse, uh, is that something where you also went with Epic, or what, what has been the strategy there? That, that is a very interesting question that we could probably speak for a couple of hours on. We have gone with that Caboodle slash Cogito data warehouse. Right. We do have our own enterprise data warehouse, and we have multiple other applications that have their many data warehouses. We are in the process of looking at our strategy from an advanced analytics and machine learning perspective, and we're looking at a federated model 
in which we don't have to consolidate and have one large data warehouse. We should be able to pick and choose based upon the question our end user is asking and serve that information up in the most appropriate way possible. And strictly speaking, when we went live with Epic, right now we're looking at that Kubuto slash Cogito data warehouse, and we are actively populating it, but we're looking at it right now to answer pretty much event-level questions that reside within the EPIC record. So whether they have to do with patient registries, patient care, small populations of, of patients. If we're looking at how we're going to drive care in our region from a cost and quality perspective, we need to bring in external data sources and we need to bring in our cost data. And we use our federated enterprise data warehouse through that lens in order to answer questions like that. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like that would be a, a good discussion for another time because it, it like sure is, yes. <laughs> a lot there. Okay. So when, when you talk about um, really the, those bigger goals of, of improving health, not just locally, but, you know, really throughout, throughout the entire system, of course, we're talking about you know, accountable care, population health, and can yes. you talk about uh, <laughs> what the strategy is there at this point? Sure. So... We've spent a fair amount of time on this within our health system and our leadership. We have developed a network, a St. Luke's Health Partners Network, which takes a bigger look at how we treat uh, populations. Today, we are responsible for 170,000 lives within the southwestern part of of Idaho, and that equates to almost a, a billion dollars in, in revenue. And we're at total risk for that as of January 1st. And we need to, as a health system, learn how to become much more efficient in the way we deliver care, much more astute as to the needs of the specific populations of that, because not all those patients are seen by St. Luke's providers. Our, our network spans some of our competitors and some of our partners, and we have to learn how to be competitors and how to be partners in, in the same system or in the same region. We are using our data to learn uh, where we experience risk, how we segment our populations to get them more personalized care to achieve uh, the lowest total cost of care within the highest quality parameters that we can that we can deliver. Mm. And and you just touched on it, but data governance component is so huge. And can you talk about what the strategy is there as far as um, you know having that effective data governance model? Yeah, I would say that this is where we're working now, really intently on on data governance. It is very difficult for many of my leaders and my partners to really comprehend to manage data and to govern data when it's something that's not really tangible. Yeah. Many of our data definitions are provided to us by CMS, but there are others on the financial area that we have to come around and understand who owns the data, who own, who's the data steward who is managing that area and hold them accountable to make sure that that process is, is maintained and it is solid. Because as you know, if you get poor data capture, the information that you're trying to glean on the other end is going to be off by a magnitude. And we want to make sure that our data stewards 
as well as our end users have the highest confidence in the information that they are receiving so they can make rapid improvements to the delivery model that we're, that we're deploying here at St. Luke's. Yeah, that's a really interesting concept. And you had said that with the patient population that, that you serve, that it, it is also uh, those who see other providers that are outside yeah. of St. Luke's system. And, and what, what has been the, the level of uh, exchange with those organizations? Well, that is, uh, I'm glad you said that because interoperability is, is a very keen interest of, of mine. I, I've spent a fair amount of time over the past couple of years with the Sequoia Project doing the trust framework as well as with Epic on the Care Everywhere network. Uh, we have tried to develop any and every opportunity for a partner to connect with us. We send CCDs. We are active on the Sequoia Project, so we are connected to the eHealth Exchange. We have our own local HISP that we offer to connect our providers, as well as the local or state-run health data exchange. So we have really good partnership in the exchange of, of data and CCDs, and we're always looking to improve that to get it much more robust to get the query and the record locator service as streamlined as, as possible. We, we believe that the exchange of patient information should be transparent and where the patient lands, their information should be that way. And that, that's the vision that we are going with here at, at St. Luke's. Right. And St. Luke's is part of Epic Everywhere? Yes, we're part of Care Everywhere. We're also part of the Sequoia Project, which is the new uh, Care Equality right. initiative. Okay. And being in the, uh, the area where you are, um, rural areas, can you talk about what, what kind of progress the organization is seeing with telemedicine and um, what, uh, what barriers are still out there? Sure. You're correct that Boise, Idaho, and St. Luke's Health System serves around 43,000 square miles of, of southwestern Idaho, and many of that is, is rural in, in nature. We do have some critical access hospitals in those areas, but there are still gaps in specialty care that that the city or the tertiary centers need to need to uh, provide. We typically today have a very robust uh, tele ICU program in which we offer uh, intensivist service to these remote areas. We believe that the best care is care as close to home as possible. And if we, could re- if we could provide those services, we feel that patients are going to get the right care at the right time, going to feel more comfortable near their family members, and will get better quicker. But we, we offer one of the largest tele-ICU services in the, in the Northwest, but that's only the beginning. We're starting to d- develop a tele-neurology, a tele-sitter type capabilities and now going forward, as we have to start managing this population for, that we're completely and totally at risk for, we want to deploy telehealth services into the homes, into your, into your work, and to really receive care where you want to, as opposed to always having to come to the doctor. We're not there yet, but that is, is on, our, on our roadmap. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.